Hello, mummers, and welcome back to episode three in our Own Your Birth podcast series. Today, we're talking all about how to make induction or C-section birth experiences epic. So enjoy. Hey, mama, I'm sending you wonderful pregnancy vibes. It's time for you to guide you through. Let's take some time for Welcome back to the Pregnancy with Physio Laura podcast. We are up to episode three in our Own Your Birth series with the wonderful Eleanor, who is a doula and women's health physio and has joined us for this amazing podcast series. You can find her at eleanor.lambert.doula on Instagram. If you do want to learn more, she is amazing. Now, I wanted to dedicate a whole podcast episode to inductions and C-sections. Now, the reason why I wanted to do this is because... I feel like I've covered a lot on this podcast about physiological birth and making birth as, you know, normal as possible for the healthy, you know, the average healthy woman, obviously I'm talking about here. So really being able to own your birth, make decisions to avoid interventions essentially, because we want to try and make it as physiological as possible. However, there is a very real scenario where a woman needs an induction and needs a cesarean section. I'm not naive to think that that's not a real scenario. That is so real. And what I wanted to do is make sure that I shared information on how you can make those experiences powerful and positive because I don't want people to get the wrong idea and think that, you know, once intervention is required, that positivity and empowerment and confidence and all those things get thrown out the window and you just have to, you know, I guess throw the baby out with the bathwater because that's so not true. Intervention is needed in a variety of different cases and it doesn't mean that you can't have an amazing birth experience. So many women, myself included, had amazing experiences with inductions and cesarean sections and I think there's still a bit of a stigma, there's still a bit of shame that having giving birth with those interventions means that birth's not so great. And I just don't believe that to be true. So that's why I wanted to dedicate this whole podcast topic to this. So this is for the mamas that have induction on the cards or cesarean section on the cards and who maybe don't know about all the different ways that they can still control certain elements of that birth, all the different factors that they can still influence to make sure that their birth is unique and personable and special and important and positive to them. So I think this is going to be a really great episode as always, I love your feedback. So please jump on over to my socials at Physio Laura and let me know what you loved about this episode or maybe if it gave you some good food for thought about the things that you can control and that you can influence in your upcoming birth so that it is really special, really positive, really amazing. So I hope you love it. Remember, this is a four-part series. So if you haven't already, episode one and two, really great episodes. Go back and listen to them in your own time. We cover how to transfer to the hospital really well, all the different things you need to know to prepare and be able to resettle at the hospital quicker, get back into that oxytocin flow. We also cover birthing positions and all of the amazing ways that you can give birth and the pros and the cons and the benefits of all the different positions. And in our final episode coming up, we will be discussing birth trauma. So if you want to watch all these episodes at once, remember they are inside my online pregnancy program, That Pregnancy Posse, and all the bonus content, which Eleanor has kindly provided, is all free for Posse members. So if you go and check out inside the podcast series in the membership, you will see bonus material 
a video detailing all of the different birthing positions, showing the visual descriptions of all those positions. Eleanor gets into those positions for us and explains the benefits, when you might want to use them, et cetera, et cetera. She also has this epic PDF file that you will want to download if you like this episode because it's got a checklist of all the different things that you should consider and all the different ways that you can make inductions or cesarean sections. Super positive, super special, super personable. So I think that's super important. If you're a Posse member, go and check that out. If you're not, you can become a member and trial it for seven days. Just go to thepregnancyposse.com. And yeah, I think you're going to love it. Please listen to this episode, enjoy it, take notes, and I will catch you soon. Bye. Sometimes I think it's all well and good to talk about natural physiological birth, how we're quote unquote meant to birth without interference on our own, rada, rada, rada. And I think that stuff is all valid and all great. However, I do think sometimes there is reasons for women to have inductions and to have cesarean sections. And I would hate for a a woman to be listening to this podcast and thinking, oh, well, that's all well and good, but I can't do that because I'm having an induction or because I'm having a C-section. But I don't believe that to be the case because what I think makes a positive and beautiful birth experience is not necessarily the things that we have in the birth, what's on paper, but it's how we feel. And it's, you know, what we feel in control of and what we feel confident with and that we feel supported and empowered and all those things. So what I wanted to do is dedicate an entire episode to kind of just going through all the tools a woman who is going to be, let's talk about induction and C-section because I do think there's two major interventions. Yeah the tools or the things for women to think about that they can still influence to make it a positive experience. So why don't we start with induction? Yep. And maybe if you could run through all the things for a woman to think about, you know, when they know an induction is on the cards for them for whatever reason, so they can still curate a beautiful birth environment and a beautiful birth experience. Definitely. I think as an umbrella kind of discussion, having an understanding of any birthing process will make your experience better. So whether that's um, physiological birth, whether that's an induction, whether that's a C-section, like whatever experience you, you know that you're going to be having, having some form of understanding is always going to stand you in good stead. Mm. That's across the board. So if you're told, oh, okay, so you've got placenta previa, C-section's your safest option, still learn about c-section or still learn about the changes in your body as you're leading up to to around that 38 39 40 week mark know what a c-section is or if it's you've got interuterine growth restriction or there's concerns about bub's well-being or there's concerns like you know legitimate medical concerns and you're having an induction learn about an induction um that understanding is always going to make more of an impact than anything else because as I, I mean I always talk to my clients about it physio clients too that walk in they say what's your birth plan and they go I don't have one and um, I'm like no have one is <laughs> you cannot control labor but you can have control over what happens that you can control so if someone comes in and says hey like this is what we're thinking we need to do x y and z if you know what that is you can make an informed choice. You're all usually always going to feel a lot better about it than if a decision was made for you. So blanket statement, understand, do the research, know what you're walking into. That mm-hmm. is always going to set you up for a better experience. Yeah. In terms of an induction, I think it's still really important to discuss the protocol and the procedure 
with the obstetrician, whether that's in a planned appointment or it's you get to the hospital and they go, okay, this is what's going to happen or this was what might happen. Um, talk to them and go, okay, well, what does that entail? How do you guys come about that? Do you go straight to the drip? Do you start with the Foley's catheter, which is the balloon that they insert through your cervix and it uses mechanical pressure of the ball to actually encourage the cervix to dilate? Do they use the Prostin gel? Do they use the Cervidil tape? What do they actually do when this hospital that you're walking into conducts an induction? Mm. Again, knowledge, understanding. Do you have to come to the hospital the night before because they want to do some cervical ripening with prostaglandins, which happens naturally during that labor process and that's what they need to do before they can do any other part of the induction do you need to come in the night before a lot of people don't really realize that that's usually the process of induction and then they get told oh you need to come in on tuesday and they go what but i thought i was coming in on wednesday so again find out what happens and also each obstetrician can often be a little bit different in how they conduct an induction so talk to them about it i think the other thing is talking about gentle options. This is going to be very dependent on why you're having an induction. Um, there are certain situations where time is not available, but there are many other situations where you do have the grace of time. Talk to your obstetrician about gentle options. Can you have the Foley's catheter and then wait four or six hours? If it's your second child, can you just have, you know, rupture of membranes and then wait to see if your body kicks off into labor we've got muscle memory around labor if we've had a labor before we've got a lower threshold for going into labor again so is there an option to rupture membranes before any kind of synthetic augmentation or induction when it comes to having the iv drip so the syntocin is a synthetic form of oxytocin but it's 100 not the same thing it does a similar action um, we can talk about <laughs> the nitty gritty around syntocin if we need to, but essentially um, you're much more likely to get uterus hyperstimulation with syntocin because your body metabolizes syntocin in a different way to your own oxytocin. In that respect, talk to your OB about can I have, well, essentially what's the protocol? And they might go, oh, we increase the syntocin by two mils every half an hour and you go am I a candidate to have it one mil every 90 minutes giving your body an option and a chance to react to each of that increase in medication level mm. you may be met with a brick wall but at least you've asked you may have an OB that goes oh yeah that's fine you're a good candidate for that I'm not worried yeah we'll do that um, giving your body an opportunity to react slowly to the to the IV syntocin and also giving your uterus an opportunity not to be overstimulated and also mm, not a lot of babies love induction so a gentle induction may make that experience for you and your baby a little bit um, more gentle mm -hmm. I think we sometimes go oh, I'm having an induction well bugger my hypnobirthing bugger my fairy lights and my aromatherapy uh-uh do that Double set up your room double down set up your room go hell for leather with your oxytocin rich environments when our body is given oxytocin it won't create 
its own oxytocin because it goes, oh, I've got synthetic oxytocin, I've got syntocin, and well, I don't, I don't need to create any. So if you can create that oxytocin rich environment and you can double down on the hugs and the kisses and the nipple stimulation, and I mean, heck, take your vibrator in and go in the bathroom, um, have an orgasm, it's really, really good. If you can create that, or that you know, oxytocin rich environment, you're only going to assist your body yeah. to work with the synthetic oxytocin. Mm. There's definitely, you're not wasting your time. No, no. You're not wasting your time getting comfortable. You're not wasting your time feeling all those wonderful things. You can still use your hypnobirth. You can definitely use your hypnobirthing or your calm birth or your she births, whatever kind of birth prep you've done. You can still use your affirmations. It's definitely still about mindset and headspace. You're still going to go through labor in an induction. Yeah. So if anything else, like triple the amount of fluffy stuff in your room, really make it comfortable. And I think one of the things we don't really talk about is if you're the kind of person that you get pregnant and you go, cool, I'm having a vaginal delivery. I'm not having an epidural. If you then throughout your pregnancy, the discussion of an induction happens you may need to reconsider your stance on pain relief because synthetic oxytocin means that our body is not producing its own oxytocin at the same level. Synthetic oxytocin doesn't cross the blood-brain barrier to actually get into our brain. It works pretty locally on the uterus and on the uterine muscle. So we don't get the same physiological kickoff with hormones, which means you're less likely to get the beta endorphins, which is our body's natural pain relief. So induction for some women can be a more intense experience. Don't think that you're a failure. If you've previously wanted to do a drug-free birth, then you have an induction and then you find that you need an epidural because you're not having a physiological labor. Mm. You're having an induced labor, you're having a assisted labor and your body's not having the opportunity to kick off all the beautiful, beautiful hormones that support women to have physiological labor. Like your body wants you to be flooded with beta endorphins. So you're off in your brain and you're not thinking about it and you're not going to get the same level of those hormones in an induction. So be gentle on yourself. And if it gets really uncomfortable, Consider the gasoline or consider the pethidine or consider the epidural, even if that's not what you've thought previously, you're not dealing with the same situation as a physiological labor. Mm, yeah, I think that's all great advice. And I was just reflecting when you were saying about like, ask, what's the protocol? What's what happens if this happens? And what happens mm. if what happens? And I was induced with my first with um the gel the night before, I did the last hurrah dinner and all of that, but I never asked, well, what happens when I come back in the morning and I am dilated or I'm not dilated or how long are you willing to, you know, give me before we consider the next, what's plan B? And I guess eventually C-section was proposed to me and I just honestly didn't see that coming. And I think it's because mm -hmm. I hadn't worked through that journey what does this journey look like with induction and what are the options that might come my way which I understand can happen for any birth induction or not but I do think there is something about walking that journey beforehand so that things don't floor you or surprise you yeah. and they may pop up and at least you're like okay cool I saw that coming um, yeah. and then I can deal with that what decision I'm going to make at the time so I think that's really absolutely really great so let's talk about c-sections yeah. um what because again i think this is something i had to learn that 
it's not just throw the baby out with the bathwater and go, oh, well, I'm having a C-section. I guess it's going to be a bit of a medicalized, you know, you know, sterile yep. birth and that maybe it couldn't be magical and beautiful and positive and all these things. So what would your advice be around and do you actually, I assume you probably would get the occasional doula client who is having a planned C-section? Yeah. 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 I haven't had any um, in the last six months, um, but I've talked to lots of people about having me as a doula for C-section in the future because they're going for a VBAC or I've had people that have inquired and said, I, I want to have a C-section. Do you support C-section deliveries? And I'm, yeah, 100%. And it's very much whether or not I'm allowed in the theatre that yeah. <laughs> makes a big difference. But um, it's it's definitely, and even, uh, yes, a planned C-section can be different to an emergency C-section, but there's still considerations across both of those that can make it a more positive experience. And again, I'm going to start with understand what happens. Yeah talk to them and say cool well how do you do a c-section mm. a lot of women go oh I don't want to be in that c-section I don't want to have my arms strapped down onto the table is that a reality in Australia not as much as other countries make sure that yeah there's so much imagery out there of women having c-sections and it's like they're kind of tied to a cross for a lack of a better metaphor um and a lot of to control their hands so for injections and so they're not like shaking yeah um but I think when you're researching your birth options make sure the research that you're doing is actually relevant to your situation so a lot of women will go oh I don't you know I don't want to have a lithotomy position I don't want to be in stirrups very much an American thing less so an Australian thing oh I don't want to lay down and have my arms tied okay what's the context of that if, if you've watched a birth story or if you've watched a, um, a video or seen an image what's the context of that image don't freak yourself out about things that aren't actually even going to be a possibility because they've happened in Argentina mm. um, but talk to the obstetrician and talk to and go well what's the protocol like how long does it take um I only want sutures. I don't want staples. Is that something that you do? If you want to, YouTube cesarean videos. If you don't want to see gnarly stuff, don't YouTube cesarean videos. Pick your poison. It's it's very, very personal. But knowing what you're in for, I think a big thing is also knowing the realities of your postpartum around a C-section because a lot of women that I talk to, they go, oh, I was okay with the C-section, but my goodness, the recovery was hard. So having that discussion and, and knowing, okay, well, what's the expectation? How long is it going to take? When will I be able to get up and move around? Um, how long will I feel really uncomfortable? When will my scars start to heal? Um, oh, I had to have a catheter. I didn't know I had to have a catheter. The little things that might seem inconsequential, but again, it's like once you address them, they're kind of put to rest it's not going to come up as something that you hadn't thought about that gives you anxiety. Um, in the C-section itself, you can still set up, you can still create that beautiful environment. You can talk to them about dimming the lights of the theater so that they've just got the spotlight on your tummy. Mm -hmm. um, talk to them about music. You can have music in operating theaters. Um, my, one of my close friends is a neurosurgeon and they often play you know, Fleetwood Mac or a 
hack a ducker while they're doing brain surgery. So you can have music. That's not a forbidden thing. Ask for a clear drape if you want a clear drape. Ask for them to drop the drape early. It, it depends on your comfort level. Most, I think most would presume that the woman doesn't want to see what's happening. So as a kind of a, a baseline, they'll probably choose to keep everything up and keep everything closed off, but talk to them and go, no, actually, I really want to see what you're doing. And can you get a mirror? Can I like watch you doing, if that helps you to connect to the experience? Again, it's personal preference. It's what you feel comfortable with, but um, ask for extra blankets around your shoulders. So you're nice and cool. Um, talk to them about maternal assisted cesareans. Is that something that they're comfortable doing? What are the requirements for that? Like, you know, you might have to scrub in before you go in and they might scrub you in and chuck sterile gloves on your hands so you can pick your baby up. Talk to them about your preferences around you want skin to skin immediately. If they need to, they can do some of that resource and some of the, you know, the APGAR scores and the, and the assessments and the checks on you. If they need to, they'll take barb elsewhere. But mm. immediate skin to skin, what's their policy? Mm. Unfortunately, some hospitals won't let you do immediate skin to skin and their classes is infection control. Um, delayed cord clamping. Can they scoop your placenta out and put it in a bowl before they cut the cord? Mm. If no, why? Is it a medical concern? Is it a, we just don't do that here concern? If it's something that you can do and if it's something that's, you know, reasonable, reasonably supported with that environment, ask them. I want delayed cord clamping. Like, I don't want you to cut the cord. I want, I prefer you to take your time. Even if that means someone has to, if that means my partner has to hold the baby closer to the incision, if the cord's really short, but you know, is that important to you? Mm. If it's delayed cord clamping, what's your delay? Is it 60 seconds? Is it a minute? Is it two minutes? Is it five minutes? Mm. And still use hypnobirthing, still use she birth, still use any of those preparation activities the the meditation the calming of yourself because it takes you know 30 to 40 minutes to complete a c-section do you want to be sitting there for 30 to 40 minutes thinking about all the bad things or all the nothings or do you want to sit there and get your partner to memorize some affirmations so that they can be sitting there and just going through the affirmations or you know what's your love language is your love language physical touch is your love language words of affirmation do you want your partner to be stroking your hair and increasing your oxytocin and nuzzling in or does will that just piss you off do you want them to talk to you do you not want them to talk to you so you still have your environment it's just a smaller environment but there's definitely things that if you can create that beautiful that beautiful opportunity with sights and sounds and touch and all that kind of stuff you can still create that positivity and it doesn't have to be a harrowing experience, but you do have to do the work beforehand. Yeah, I agree. Especially there's a difference, yes, in emergency versus planned, but in that planned C-section, you do have that time to kind of sit down and think about what you want. I think that's so empowering. I really do. Um, and even with emergency C-sections, because I know a lot of VBAC mamas will have C-section preferences as well as their VBAC yep. preferences. Unless it's, you know, a true flashing lights running you to emergency i technically had on paper two emergencies or 
one plan, one emergency. But the yeah. emergency C-section, I walked into theatre. Like it was, yes, it was like an unplanned, but it wasn't a true yeah. medical emergency. So I think there are a lot of situations where it may be an emergency C-section, but there may still be time if you have yeah. any planned and put preferences in to honour those preferences yeah. um, within the theatre. So I think that's really important. And I know I looked a lot into maternal assisted cesareans. They're becoming so much more popular these days. I even spoke to an obstetrician who hadn't done one but was super willing to do them because a lot of women are asking for them. So the supply demand is definitely happening. Yeah. And I think if that's something that you really want to do, then that's worth exploring for a lot of women. Um, and I just think, yeah, there's so much. I know when I was going on my journey of how could I have a better cesarean experience than my last one, so much of it came down to preparation and thinking about what was most important to me. So skin yeah. on skin, I didn't get my first time, um, yeah. not how I wanted it anyway. So that was super important to me to be able to have that skin on skin. And mm. I didn't get music and I don't think I really cared for music, but what I wish I had asked for is no conversation outside of what they need to talk about because I vividly remember my obstetrician and their colleague and again it's not their fault like I it's just such a normal day for them but yeah. I remember thinking oh my god this is my first child being born this is like a monumental enormous occasion and they were chatting about the Australian Open oh no like, I couldn't give a flying yeah. about your tennis match. This is my child and again yeah. there's no like that's not their problem it's just that they didn't know that it was important to me yeah. to not have everyday discussion had in the room. So I know a lot of women do request, like, please, I don't want you to discuss anything other than what you need to discuss around the birth. Tell me what you're doing. Yeah. Like, ask me if I want to know. Yeah, correct. So, and I think that could be really important because I know that a lot of women feel like, oh, this is just a regular day for everyone else when it's yeah. such a big thing for them. So that's yeah. thing that I think I would. And I think... I've just kind of realized a, a huge one that I've left off is photos. Oh yes, good. Take one. photos. If your partner's not in a position to take photos, lock eyes with a midwife and throw your phone at her and ask her to take photos. Um, Very important. Ask them to take snaps of the incision, of the surgery, of like you might think, oh God, no, I don't want to see that. You might in 12 months, you might in 18 months. It's easy to delete a photo. It's very hard to recreate it. Um, get photos, especially if you have a general anaesthetic. Oh, yeah, good point, actually. Yeah. There's lots of discussion. I haven't supported a mother that's had a, a GA for a C-section. Um, I have supported a couple of mums who have ended up having a C-section and I waited in the room or it was a virtual client, so I was just on the phone with them. But if you are told that you need to be knocked out for your cesarean section, say, great, no worries. Please take photos of me yes. and my baby yeah. and the cesarean because there is a lot of birth trauma for some women about going in awake, falling asleep, having the C-section and waking up with the baby and not have and having a really big disconnect with mm. that experience. So even if it's a photo of your face and I mean it might be confronting the day after your baby's born but with your hairnet on and whatever kind of airway they've required and they they often put tape on your eyelids so your eyes don't open so you don't dry out like there's all those kind of things that you might not want to think about at the time but 
ask them and to say, great, can you please take my phone? And this is my phone code. And can you please make sure that you snap me and my baby? And can you put my baby next to my face once Bob's born? Like contextualize it, create that connection, especially if you're having that, that general anesthetic, because it can be such a huge part of birth trauma yeah, healing. for mums that aren't really aware that they're going to have a GA. Then they get told that they're having a GA and then they wake up and there's a baby mm. and it's kind of a, sorry, does that, does that happen to, to me? Is that my baby? When did that happen? So even if it's a latent thing, even if you don't look at those photos for 6, 12, 18 months, it's a really beautiful part of your healing to be able to go, oh, look, that's the context. Okay. So, oh, look, like they put her cheek against my cheek and I was the second bit of skin that she touched and just, yeah, invest the thought. Yeah, I love that. I think that's into the photos. So again, empowering for women who maybe feel like birth was taken out of their hands for whatever reason to just claim that little bit again for themselves. I think that's really important. I have photos of both my cesareans and I love them. Absolutely. Mm. Like granted, I love blood and guts. So that's fine for me. They're really special to me to see the first time my baby was outside of my body and to see what their face looked like and I think they're so precious, so very precious. So I I didn't have to ask, fortunately, and I wonder if most people do do this, but I, I just remember someone taking our phones yeah. and just taking that of their job. And yeah, fortunately, I didn't have to worry about asking. I think definitely. a lot of, especially if you're birthing in a hospital that like, you know, if I was to birth in the local private hospital, maternity is half of their caseload. So mm-hmm a lot of the theatre staff, it's their bread and butter. And, yeah. and you find that's a lot of the time that if you're having a cesarean section, especially if it's planned, it's the day-to-day of these people. So a lot of them are kind of clued in around that and they will just presume and they'll grab and they'll take their photos. And I think also it depends on maybe the generation or the age of the midwife as well as to whether they think about it. But yeah, a lot of them definitely just grab the phone and start taking pot shots. And if they don't, just lock eyes and just hand it to them and go hey you can you please capture this i love that hello mamas i hope as always that you loved that episode and if you have an induction or a cesarean section coming up or maybe it's on the cards and you're just trying to make sure that you're covering all bases that you now feel really really confident like I said, for this series, owning your birth, you feel so confident to own your birth experience. I, as I share in the podcast, I had very different preferences that I would have put in place had I known I was having a cesarean section. So I wanted it to be more personable, more special for me. Uh, At the time, it was good enough. But upon reflection, there was lots of things that I really would have loved to have put in place. I do think I had a little bit of a understanding that you know, I kind of had to throw it all out of the window because it wasn't going to be the birth that I had hoped for. So therefore, I didn't really take much ownership over too many factors. And I really wish I had in hindsight. I know so many women who have done my Pregnancy Posse membership who have had inductions and who have had cesarean sections who have had the most amazing experiences because they've really taken ownership over those aspects that they can control. So even though so much of their birth was out of their control because they needed to have interventions, they really took hold of those things they could control. And I think that is amazing. So as I've spoken about many times before, what makes birth amazing and what makes birth meaningful, I think, is not the mode of delivery, 
is not the how, it's the how you feel. It's whether you felt confident, whether you felt supported, whether it felt special to you. And I think taking ownership over the things you can is a really big part to play in that. So I really hope you loved it. Please come and let me know what you thought over at Physio Laura. Let me know if you have any extra tips maybe that you've tried in your induction or in your cesarean section that made it super special for you that really helped to influence that into a positive experience because I know there's a lot of women freaking out about having an induction or having a cesarean section unnecessarily because it can be beautiful. So I would so love to hear from you. Come and chat to me. And if you loved Eleanor, you can check her out on Instagram at eleanor.lambert.doula. Remember, she's a women's physio and a doula. So she's a wealth of knowledge. And if you want access to that bonus content I mentioned, if you want the checklist, the bonus checklist going through all the different factors that you can consider, it's just an easy bite-sized printable thing you can stare at and go check, 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 check. I've done all of this so I can have an amazing induction or cesarean. That is a bonus content piece inside the Pregnancy Posse. So go check it out, thepregnancyposse.com. It's my online membership. We do weekly pregnancy workouts. There's a whole heap of birth preparation in there. There is information on how to manage pelvic girth pain, pelvic floor problems, prolapse, all of it. If you want that, go and check it out. You can trial it for seven days. Otherwise, I will catch you soon for episode four, where we're going to be talking all about processing birth trauma. Eleanor is a postpartum doula as well. And a big part of her work is about debriefing on births and helping women to process birth trauma. So super important if you feel like that applies to you. Otherwise, mamas, wherever you are, I hope you're feeling wonderful. You're looking after yourself and I will catch you soon for episode four in our Own Your Birth series. Bye.